0: Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 298 of Selling the Couch. I hope that you're doing well and uh, having a good day. So today's podcast session is a solo episode, our first solo episode of the new year. And uh, I was thinking a lot about what to create this episode on, and I decided to hone in on our first cohort-based course launch and some of the lessons that I learned. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. So I'll likely use the acronym CBC. Uh, going forward. But if I'm ever using that, it just means cohort-based course. So just to give you a little bit of a a backstory on this, uh, over the last, well, I I launched my first online course back in 2015, and that was the Healthcasters, the podcasting course. And uh, it's done really well. Uh, We are currently up at right around 200, a little actually a little over 275 of our colleagues have taken this course to launch their podcasts uh, for their business uh, in order to grow their impact and income beyond the therapy room. And uh, I remember when I first launched this course thinking, who in the world would buy a course for me? And I didn't really feel like I was an expert to teach on podcasting because I was so new and all of those things. But uh, I'm just so grateful for you know, for the trust that each of you have in me. uh, I really, I just take that so, so much to heart and I take that as such a big responsibility. And over these past seven plus years now, I've learned a ton about what goes into a, a good online course, what works, what doesn't, how do you market it, how not to market it, what are some of the big roadblocks, all of that stuff. And so I know that many of us are thinking about creating an online course, either to supplement our existing therapy income or to pull back on therapy or to completely even maybe eliminate therapy out of our sort of business model. And so we had this idea for to do this instead of like a traditional digital course. uh, What we decided is we would do this live and we called it online course School super creative name right but i figured uh getting it done was better and somehow the dot com was available so i was able to get you know online course school.com and i so we did this launch this past it was october and november so over 8 weeks we did two workshops each week so a total of 16 workshops and we had 9 of our colleagues go through this first like beta cohort i wanted to do a beta cohort just because you know there's just so much with doing a, a CBC and it was my first time and even though I was very fortunate to get accepted into Maven's Accelerator program which basically teaches how you how to run these CBCs I just didn't have the real world experience and so I was just fortunate these nine colleagues trusted me and I'm not always the best with sharing money just because I have like a lot of money stuff and this past year I've worked on a lot of this stuff so just going forward, I'm just gonna share like money numbers. Uh one, just mainly as a source of encouragement. Uh, it is not at all to be boastful or anything like that because there are folks who make a lot more money, right? And but this first cohort launch made twelve thousand five hundred and seventy-six dollars. And I imagine this will only be only be increasing over the years and and that makes it really exciting. And so I wanted to use this session just to share some of the lessons that I've learned in case you ever end up doing a cohort-based course. Actually, before we get started, there's such an interesting... You know, I, I nerd out on a bunch of different things. And one of the things that I nerd out on is pedagogy, which is like teaching well. And within the just the larger realm of education, there's actually this trend of like, what does a university education look like? What does education at lower grade levels look like? And what does education beyond traditional schooling look like? And this sort of CBC model, there's a lot of people that say this is sort of the future of education, right? That instead of like a, a, like a stretch or a, a breadth of knowledge, right? That we're going to have these CBCs that teach a specific skill set. So for example, I'm about to get into a CBC all about NFTs. Because I am like really fascinated by this. I want to, you know, make some investments in the world of NFTs. We made some, you know, crypto investments last year and they've done pretty well. And yeah, I've just, you know, one of my goals honestly is to just get good at this NFT thing because I, I want to buy some NFTs for our little baby girls. So uh and I um I learned a ton of stuff with what to do with CBCs. And I learned a ton of stuff of not of what not to do. And so I just wanted to share some of those lessons with you. So the first thing is, if you're ever, the biggest challenge of a CBC is how in the world do you get your first like, uh, pilot students, or your beta students. And what we did is we reached out to our email list. And the reason I so I focused on three areas email list, um, it was the first one. And the reason I focused on the email list is folks generally on the email list, they know me, they know how I teach. I, You know, we on the STC newsletter, which you can check out at sellingthecouch.com forward slash newsletter, I usually share bits and pieces of my life uh, and our family's life and the things that we're, we're navigating, food places we eat, you know, adventures we're going on, all of that stuff, right? So this these are folks that know me, trust me. And so we started there. The second one is we reached out to students that had already signed up for the podcasting course previously. I don't have the offhand the data in front of me, but one of the things that is is pretty true is someone who's purchased from you one time is more likely to make a repeat purchase, especially if they've been pretty happy with that that previous purchase. And so, we reached out to our students that had taken the healthcasters course and then, you know, we run a a high-level mastermind uh, for therapists creating online income. So specifically online course income and podcasting income. And I reached out to the folks in that mastermind to see if they were interested in being a part of this. And ultimately, because these were colleagues that trusted me with their money, they knew my heart and they knew my teaching style. So the first, uh, this that's kind of the first lesson of how we got our beta students. The second uh, thing that I learned in this whole process is you have to screen really well. So again, you know, there's a, a phrase out there saying, you know, sometimes you have to do things that don't scale. And so literally what I did with all of these beta students, we actually had 13 folks that were interested, and then I ended up doing one-on-one Zoom calls with all of 13 of these students who were seriously interested. And, you know, when I got on these calls, like, it's really important for me not to make some sort of like, out of the blue sales pitch, like force them to make a decision, any of that kind of stuff. That's not the way I like being sold to. And I just feel like it's just better to be human, right? So mainly what I was just doing on these calls was I wanted to like, hear our colleagues stories, like, Hey, what, tell me about the season of life that you're in where a, an online course even makes sense. But like, I really want to hear like, what's going on in your house, what's going on with your practice. And one, and, and, you know, I also asked them about like their roadblocks and all of those different things. And, you know, one of the most common things I think that came up, well, two things that came up among these conversations was. One, a lot of colleagues are extremely busy and they have wait lists and they want to be able to serve those clients on wait lists. And an online course seems like a viable sort of way to be of service. The second sort of thing is actually there's three things. So the second thing is that a lot of colleagues had clients who really wanted to work with them, reach out to them, but they couldn't work with them due to like licensure kind of things. And so an online course might be a secondary option there. And then the final sort of thing is a lot of colleagues, I think, you know, are very burnt out and are really examining and thinking about their careers and their business model and all of the stuff in the midst of this pandemic, right? I mean, I'm currently not doing therapy right now, but when I speak to a lot of our colleagues, they talk about, you know, hearing very traumatic stories after traumatic story and all the while dealing with their own trauma around COVID, right? And so a lot of colleagues are wondering, like, hey, do I want to keep my existing case schedule? What would it be like to pull back? What would it be like to even consider possibly eliminating therapy from my business model? These are big questions I know that a lot of us are asking, and I wanted to hear those. And so that's why we did the one-on-one calls. We used Calendly just to schedule them, and that makes it really easy. So folks that are interested, what I did is I did like a super mock-up, um, it's like a sales page, just explaining what uh, online course school was about, the uh, stuff that's included, and then at the very bottom, I just had a hyperlink out to Calumly and we just did like a 45 minute call, and yeah, that worked out pretty well. The third thing is one of the th- I just learned it's especially with the CBC, and I think this is where CBCs really shine. You have the opportunity to get to know your students really well. Uh, so we did this through like welcome calls. So even before we started our cohort, uh, we just got on a welcome call where everyone could meet each other. We got into breakout rooms like, hey, you know, in this breakout room, I want you to answer the the name that you gave your first car or something like silly like that, right? So that when we walked into the actual teaching time, uh, it didn't feel like you were interacting with strangers. We also did surveys, and I actually think the... I, we could have done a better job on this because we tried to do surveys every two weeks, which was basically every four lectures. That's a lot of data and a lot of processing. And I think what we'll kind of do is try to do very short surveys after each lecture so that we can get feedback in real time. So we also did surveys like before the students actually joined. like they were committed to being part of the cohort, but we hadn't started yet and and some of the questions that we asked is, you know, What are some of the things that uh, with your online course that keeps you stuck? What does success in our cohort look like for you? And how would we know if you're getting stuck? And we just got a lot of like really good information. It was a great way to like to support our colleagues and and to uh, give them that accountability in the way that they wanted. So the fourth thing is, so we have a long cohort and I don't know if I'll shorten it because I mean, even honestly at eight weeks. It felt like there were stuff that I had to kind of leave out or, or prioritize. Right. And, but eight weeks is a long time. And I don't know that I don't want to really go much longer than that. Ideally, honestly, I'd love for like six to eight. Yeah. I would love to get down a little bit. But with an eight week cohort, and what I would recommend is if you're going to do a cohort that's anything more than like six weeks, I would recommend doing a break like right in between. So we took a week long break halfway and that allowed people to catch up pace and minimize drop off. So this is one of the challenges with this CBC model is that because you are doing lectures in real time, and it's not just lectures, right? Like, for example, we are one of the lectures that you know, one of the workshops that we have is on like creating your sales page for your for your online course. So we go into a breakout room where we give each group like a sales page that's done over a million dollars in sales, right? And we ask them to kind of break it down. Like what do they see and all of that kind of stuff? What are their weaknesses? What do they want to incorporate into their own sales page, all of that stuff? And then they come back and we share feedback with each other, our learnings with each other. And then we go and do like quiet time to actually create the sales page, our own sales page, right? there was a lot of activity happening. And if you get behind, it's really easy with these CBCs to just like stop attending. And that's the last thing that I wanted. And so I felt like this drop or this uh, break right in between was such a, a good idea. Plus for something, and it depends on what you're teaching, but for something like creating an online course, we share a lot of information. And there's a lot of insights and tips and strategies that are being, ex- and ideas that are being exchanged. So it felt like it was really important to let those ideas incubate. And also as a teacher of the CBC, uh, the first time you do it, I'm just going to be brutally honest, like because nobody told me this, and I'd rather tell you, it's a lot of work because you're creating slides and you're creating... Uh, like worksheets and all of those kind of things. And if you have a break right in the middle of it, it's kind of nice, just gives you a little bit of a break and lets you like make any tweaks based on feedback and things like that. The fifth thing that I would recommend if you're ever going to do a CBC is have an assistant on all workshops. So Nicole, my VA, our soon to be director of operations is was so helpful on this. She was there with each of these meetings. And what that allowed me to do is just focus on teaching well, and uh, just, you know, working in my zone of genius. Nicole was there to kind of handle the administrative stuff. She was also so awesome in, in handling the chat, because like in Zoom, in these Zoom calls, right, there's, you're talking, right, but there's also other conversations that are happening in the chat, there's conversations that are happening via DM. And if you try to lecture and do the chat it's really hard and you're going to get sidetracked super easy so it's much much better to bring on in uh, an assistant the other really nice thing is if you have somebody especially that's like a team member that that were has worked with you for a number of years they kind of know your style it can also add like different perspectives to the conversation and then you can also tag team topics like for example, we actually didn't do this on the first one. I, I straight up like I like led all of the sessions, but in future cohorts, one of the things that we're gonna do is, you know, some of it I'll lead, some of it Nicole will lead just to like pace a little bit and just to give a different voice. So and then also just here's kind of a practical thing. Sometimes there might be situations where uh, you just need an extra person for like a breakout room. And so you can have your assistant or director of operations, like go into that breakout room and just kind of be the third person, a third or fourth or whatever it is, right? The sixth thing, oh, speaking of which breakout rooms, what I would recommend is a minimum of three people. And I would aim maybe for four if you can do that. Because if it's like a one, if it's just two people, there can be an exchange of ideas, but it's only between one another, right? So at minimum, if you have three, then you have like people like giving like twice the feedback, right? The sixth thing I would say is think about tiering your support. So we gave our students the option to have two accountability buddies during the cohort, and then we set this up for them, right? So this was actually such a good move, because even, you know, I checked in with one of the OCS members here actually like three days ago, and they were like, yeah, we're still meeting, like, you know, and that's so cool that even after the cohort is done, they're still, you know, meeting and just supporting one another. The idea behind having the accountability buddies is I sort of see it as tiered support. So you have cohort level support from me and the team, right during the actual workshops, then you have individual support. So we actually did surprise office hours as well. We started them a little later than than I wanted, because honestly, like I just didn't think to do that. And our colleagues were so gracious to be like, Mel, can we add some office hours? So for future cohorts, we'll have office hours like from week one, right? So you can always drop in and, you know, ask any stuck points, ask any questions, any of that. And then there was the peer support through these accountability buddies. The the seventh thing is, by the way, I have about 10 things. So this is a little bit longer, but I uh, wanted to just give you some honest and helpful information. The seven is this is actually something I learned in Maven, which is start with the I do, we do, you do framework. So for example, we teach how to record online course videos. That's one of the workshops, right? So first, we demonstrated how I record videos. Then we had everyone practice together. And then we had each member like create their first like welcome video, right? And so doing that is there's such a, so the natural tendency for most lectures is to start with you and what you can teach. But one of the things I learned in Maven and that was so helpful for our cohort was I actually started instead of the intersection of I do, we do, we actually started at the intersection of we do, you do. So that way people knew exactly like what to, like people felt like, like we were starting at the group level. And it requires such a act of knowledge or act of like humility, because as experts who are teaching these cohort based courses, the tendency can be like, oh, I need to be the one leading the lecture. But it's actually if you can sort of let that idea go and say, hey, the most important job I have is to create space for my students to shine and create the space for them to exchange ideas. I think that'll take you really, really really far. And then I I would say like the the eighth thing is don't prep cohort lessons and run cohorts and run your cohort at the same time. I made this mistake. So instead, prep ahead of time. Realize that you're going to get new ideas, but resist the urge to like super edit and like trash your entire, you know, presentation that you already have ready to go and create a brand new one. Note, I did this, not a good idea. And what I would instead recommend is create a running list of things to tweak after each lesson. So we basically use Notion for all of our like project management kind of stuff. And so all of our lessons are in there. And I just created a little section that said tweaks for next time. And then I would just review that. Like I would write them down. Basically what I would do is I would get on a, a call with Nicole for about 15 minutes right after our lecture was done. And I would say, hey, what do we do well? What do we need to improve? And what was missing? And then we took that and then the information from the surveys and just kind of put it into that section. And the ninth sort of thing is don't get too high with the highs or too low with the lows. Uh, teaching a CBC is an emotional roller coaster. I mean, literally, there were moments where I was like, oh, my gosh, I could see their light bulb moments. Wow, I'm, we're doing such a good job in <laughs> the CBC. And that like 30 minutes later. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to teach again. And what I would recommend is if you start doing a CBC, find a friend, a, co- uh, a colleague, someone that like cares about you, that can support you as you're going through this, because it can feel like every lecture can feel like an emotional roller coaster because you know there may be times where you teach something and it seems so simple in your mind, but then you share it and it just confuses people and you're like, oh, whoa. Well you know. So just remember, don't get too high with the highs or too low with the lows. And I, the final piece of advice I would give you is charge your worth. If you're like me, you probably struggle with owning your knowledge. And uh, I bet the more you know, the harder it is to believe that. So work on your money stuff. I mean, this is like stuff that I actively did last year with therapy and brain spotting. And even this year with therapy and I have like monthly brain spotting sessions set up because I realized like launching these CBCs I mean there's just a lot of money stuff and that stuff that can come up so don't undercharge yourself the world needs our gifts and there's such a need for all of this stuff so hope you enjoyed uh, today's session and if again I'm not an expert on CBCs at all I am definitely going through trial by fire with a lot of this stuff and our you know but there's just something so joyful about teaching a CBC. Uh, Just seeing people's faces light up when you share something, right? And I think many of us do this, which is like when we teach, like we love teaching. And I mean, there were moments during this where, you know, I had put in a lot of prep work and to take like a very complex idea, right? And to simplify it, right? And I was like, you know, what's the perfect story, or what's the perfect analogy, and then you share it, and then people are like, whoa, and ah, uh, that just like, it hits your heart so well, and it's so powerful, and yeah, it's just, it's one of the most gratifying things I've done. I, I'm like planning on, you know, at least running two cohorts uh, this year, so a spring cohort and a false cohort. By the way, side note, if you're interested in that, be sure to download the A to Z online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. We're planning on looking. I'm just trying to finalize dates, but we're looking at April, May right now, and you know, for this spring cohort, and then likely in like September, October for the uh the fall cohort. So uh And yeah, I think that is it. So I hope you enjoyed today's session. And especially if you're thinking about CBCs, I hope that today's session just gives you some excitement. Maven.com is definitely a place to get started. And the founders of Maven are on Twitter. And that's probably the best way to connect with them. They actually do these accelerator programs. They to apply and all that stuff. But if this is something you're interested in, I would highly recommend going through that accelerator program. I learned a ton. And yeah, and I, and I feel like I just have become a significantly better teacher. Hey, friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Have a great rest of your day and uh, I will see you next time. Bye.